there and welcome to another episode of Redefining Balance for Working Moms podcast by Your Life Rocks. I'm your host, Jenny Stemmerman, and today we are talking all about balance. I know, shocker, right? That's <laughs> like pretty much all we talk about within Your Life Rocks and how you can really redefine what balance means for you and imply that into your life. But today we're talking a little bit more fundamental on why exactly we believe balance is possible. Because, you know, you hear so much talk in the world today that balance just is not possible. Sometimes as working moms, we feel like balance might not be possible. But I do think it's important that we understand that balance is more of a verb, not a place that we're going to ever get to. It's the action that we go through in everyday life that helps us be in balance. Now, when I started Your Life Rocks so many years ago, as a ministry for working moms, it really was a way of encouraging working moms to look at the positive side of their lives and all of the great blessings that are surrounding them. Because when we are in the thick of it, things feel stressful. Things feel crazy. Things feel out of our control a lot of the time. And really, it's all about our perspective and having a healthy perspective around the world that we are living in. And the best place for me to get perspective is through the Word of God. And so today we're going to be talking about how the Word of God really can kind of cast that light onto balance and our perspective and our own definition of what balance should be through his word. Now, a little bit of background on this topic. This was originally an outline for a two-part series that I did back episode 82 and 83. So it was quite a few years ago that this was originally uh, two different podcast episodes that we had done. And I was using this outline to create a new tool inside of our membership, Life Balance Membership, which includes a ton of courses and resources and things to really help you create more balance in your life. And I was using some of these biblical principles that we're going to be talking about over the course of the next couple episodes. And I thought, you know what? This needs to be refreshed. These ideas need to be brought back to the forefront. These stories need to be retold because I do think that it is really, really important that we really kind of look at the foundation of things and not just the action of things, because we can get really wrapped up in like, what do I need to do? And that's where we can get really focused on, like, what is the action steps that need to happen? But if we don't stop and kind of apply our own critical thinking and basic understanding to things, essentially creating the why we are doing these actions, our beliefs behind them, they're more principled. When we take some of these deeper steps, that's where we're going to get true results. Because if we are just focused on the task at hand, we're going to get it done, but we're not actually building anything because there's nothing to build on. We're just spending our energy doing things. And while that's great for a short period of time, when we continually doing that, that's where we're going to get burnout. That's when we're going to get really tired. We're going to get overwhelmed. We're going to get stressed. And eventually we're going to come to a breaking point. And I don't know about you, but I've come to breaking points several times in my adult life from overwhelm, stress, and burnout. And it is not a fun place to be. So when we can really remind ourselves of the principles that we're going to be talking about today, build and redefine our own sense of balance based off of these biblical principles, that is where balance is like this everlasting thing. That's truly the sweet spot that I know we all want to be in. Now, speaking of Life Balance Membership, if you have not yet looked into our membership and you are looking for the resources, the courses, all of the stuff to help you really apply the systems, the community, 
that's going to help hold you accountable to doing so and really doing everything by putting God first. And I highly encourage that you check out Life Balance Membership. Now, we're in the midst of doing a lot of changes around inside of the membership, adding extra value on the website. So I hope that you go to lifebalancemembership.com and learn more. We've designed it to be super affordable and created all of the information so it fits together nicely so you don't get overwhelmed. In fact, the first seven days, you take a course called Clear the Chaos. And a big part of that, well, it helps you clear the chaos of everything going on around you, but really helps you create the space so that you can be taking the other courses, applying the other resources right to your life and getting the results that you're after. Again, you can learn more by going to lifebalancemembership.com. All right. Now, when we talk about life balance and if it even is possible and how we define it, there is a background to it. And that background is very biblically based. It's about being obedient to the word of God. And when we have this alignment with the word, chaos has no standing in our lives. Life can still be moving fast and it can feel very full. Some of them might say busy. (laughs) I say busy sometimes. I catch myself. But like in a good busy, right? Like not in a, I'm a hurried rush, have no time for people kind of busy. Isn't it funny that sometimes when we think about the word busy, we think about it in a negative way. And yet busy just means that we have a full blessed life and it's moving. After all, things happening and having things to do, it is truly a blessing. However, it's the heart of busy that matters. Do we see our lives as stress? Or do we see it as a blessing? Again, it comes back to that perspective. An opportunity to live our lives for God, maybe we see it like that. Maybe we want to see it like that, but it doesn't always come out that way. We want to be a light in the world, but sometimes we get lost in the darkness. Now, let me set something straight. When we talk about balance or setting goals, the aim is not for perfection ever. I feel like I say that all the time, but sometimes I feel like it can get lost in translation because we do talk about you know, trying to line up all of these other areas of our life, all eight areas of our life in a certain way. And sometimes that can be looked at as trying to create perfection, but that's not what it's about. The aim, it's about obedience every time. It's not about us. It's about him. It's about God. It's when we allow ourselves to be less in any area of life that we are making it about us or about the flesh. Let me say that one more time. When we are choosing To lower our aim below what is biblical, we are not living up to him. We're making it about us. We are making it easier for us and accepting that easier route. And it's not about judgment. I mean, we've all done it, right? I've done it. You've done it. We've all done it. We've all fallen short in many different areas, including the way that we serve our family, including the way that we are maybe sometimes selfish with our talents and our gifts and trying to keep them to ourselves. But just because we all do it doesn't mean that we need to all agree to keep doing it. (laughs) Now, when I was first defining balance for myself, I really needed to start with unbalanced because that's what I knew. I didn't really think about like or couldn't even really think about what I wanted balance to be and what that definition I wanted to have in my life. But I knew what I didn't want. That was a lot easier to define for myself as far as what unbalanced looked like for my life. For me, it was out of control. It was hopeless. It was powerless. It was fearful. It was guilty. And when I was unbalanced and at the rock bottom, I was focused on only one area of my life. The other areas of my life were just daydreams. Like I would think about them and I would daydream about them, but there was no action behind it. It was just purely like wishful thinking 
on the way that I wanted to be a mom or the way that I wanted to be a wife or the way that I wanted my house to look or how I wanted my health to be. Like I would spend time and energy thinking about the outcome, but no time or energy on the actions required to get there. But when it came to my career, not only could I daydream about what I wanted it to be, but I could create an action plan around it. I could get into action to do it, do all of those actions needed. And I would see the fruit of the labor, right? I would see the results of it. And it became gratifying to like continue down that path. And having all of those images in my head of what I thought all the other areas of my life could look like, it just created a false standard, which I knew I could not meet. Now, I always say that stress is the tension between expectation and reality. The further the two move apart, the tighter the tension, the deeper the stress. Now, when we're creating these images in our head, but not taking action, it is creating a really high expectation. And when our life is not living up to that in any sort of way, because we're not focused on taking action on those things, that is where the stress comes from. I hope that you can like visualize that in your head, because it really is like this visual representation of how we all feel, right? Like where we have these unmet expectations in our head that are probably really close to perfection for the way that we want to parent or, you know, all the other areas of life. And then we have our reality when we're not taking action on those things. And that creates such a deep divide between those two things. And that is what makes us feel stressed. That is what brings about all of that guilt of not doing the things that we think that we ought to be doing. And really, when you think about it in a different way, like we can daydream and we can think about what we want, but we have to ask ourselves if we want it bad enough to do the work to get there because it is gonna take work, just like in our career. And I'm using career as a primary example, but for you, it could be another area of life. But for me, it's always been my career. That's been the area that's easy for me to focus on. So for me, thinking about that, when I set that goal in my career and I ask myself, do I want it bad enough to work to get there? And the answer is, of course. Well, then I'm gonna do the action to do that. But it's a choice that I make. And really, it's all a series of choices. We choose to live a balanced life or a non-balanced life. And when we're choosing not to take action on the things that we want in our lives, we're choosing to live that non-balanced life. Now, let's look at the flip side of this, okay? So if being unbalanced was not taking action and neglecting areas of life, maybe the answer for a balanced life was to take more action. But honestly, who has the time for that? And who has the energy for that? I would like to meet that woman who has energy to do all the actions for all of the things. At least that's what we would think. But honestly, the person who has time and the energy to take those actions are the people who make up their mind and choose to do it. They make the time. They create the energy. But before you get the wrong idea here, it's not about piling on more on your already full to-do list. It's not about adding more things to your day that you just feel like you don't even have another minute for. Because just more doing is not the answer. Having more faith, that, my friends, that's the answer. But faith does require action. So let's talk a little bit about faith in this particular context. I'm gonna ask you a question. Do you feel like right now, even thinking about the last week, the last month, you can think about the last year, have you been living for you or have you been living for God? Now, this simple question is probably a lot harder if you're really considering it and thinking about it, because if our gut answer as Christians is to say, of course, I'm living for God. Of course, I am putting him first in my life. But just like anything else, we have to ask ourselves, are our actions really showing that? 
You know, recently I had an employee that was just acting like they didn't want to be at work anymore. Like you could kind of tell if you've ever been around people like that, that you're like, okay, you've kind of mentally moved on. And so I had a conversation with them just to kind of figure out like where they were at. And they're like, no, I love being here. But their actions weren't showing it. It was sending a completely different message. And you know what we call that when our our words are different than our actions? It's inauthentic. It's not real. And especially if we say we're living for God and we feel like we are doing the actions necessary, we have to ask ourselves, where are the fruit of all of the actions that we're taking? Now, Matthew 7, 16 says you can identify them by their fruit. That is by the way that they act. So if it's the fruit that we are after, we have to start with the seed. How are you setting your goals and what are your expectations? Now, let's start with number one, that first question that I ask you. Let's start with your goals. Now, this is the question that kind of spurred on what I'm doing for our members inside of Life Balance Membership, a new resource that I'm working on for them right now is this simple question. Are you setting goals in your life right now to move closer to God or are you setting goals for your own fleshly desires? Now, there's a reason I define balance by setting and moving toward goals in eight different areas of life. The Bible guides us and sets an example for each of those eight areas of life. They're all areas that need our attention, and they're all areas that take action. And guess what? They're all areas that will show fruit. Now, when we talk about these eight areas of life, the first one is the foundation for all others, but it still stands alone in the fact that we need to be intentional about our growth. And that is our faith. Believing God is who he says he is and believing in his promises without a shadow of a doubt, deepening a relationship with him by knowing him. Now, there are many things that you can do to grow in this area of your life, but there is reason that this is the foundation for all seven other areas of life and really of all the things. When you're seeking God and what he would have you do and the other areas of your life, you're getting to know him. By getting into action and working to align your life with his will for each area of your life, that is faith in action. When you're thinking about your marriage and what does God want you to be as a wife and how can you do that, you're not only improving your marriage, but you're also growing in your faith at the same time. You see, you're growing in your faith just by giving the other areas of your life to him. The Bible tells us to seek and you will find this area of your life will grow and prosper when you make it a point that you set all the other goals in your life in the direction of God's will. So big question, what is God's will for your life? Now, whenever I hear this question in the past, my mind would automatically go to my career. Like, what am I doing? What would God have me do for my work? Because my work and my purpose were so intertwined that that's the only identity that I could really even see. Now, this is also the point where the enemy uses our ego and our worldly desires to creep in and distract us. It's a wolf in sheep's clothes. We all long for significance and worth and to be seen. And don't get me wrong, he's called us all to make an impact and to further his kingdom. Yeah, all of us. We are all in ministry. But we have to be careful that we don't go back to the old habits of setting false expectations, one that is rooted in our fleshly desires and what that means. Now, if this is something that you struggle with, if you are looking at like your career as who you are, your identity is the the number one thing that you can go after, then I recommend that you focus on all the other areas of your life first. You can focus on your career area of life last. Before you start really diving into just getting in with your career, see what God has to say for his will for your marriage, your finances, parenting, and so on. 
Now, the more I have grown in my own journey, the more I am in awe of our Lord. Everything we wonder about or we lose sleep about or cry about, it's all in his word. And it just amazes me every single time I'm drawn in, every single time that I make the time to read his word. It's amazing the wisdom and the love that is on those pages that can apply to exactly where we are, right where we are. And the thing I think is really amazing is maybe you've had this experience yourself where you've read a verse or you've dove into a book in the Bible and you've seen something that you've never even seen before. Like maybe you've read it several times in the past or you've heard it preached and all of a sudden it's like it's a brand new and you see a whole different like facet to it, a different dimension in it. And the Holy Spirit is so mighty and so transformative that he can let you see it with new eyes, hear it with new ears in a way that just can be so transformative to our souls. Because it is true, (laughs) the Bible says that when we seek God and we are fully prepared to align our lives with his will, he will answer what you seek because he is the answer and he will reveal himself to you. I say that because as we dive into the other areas of life, I really want to encourage you to pray about all of this, about everything that we're talking about in this episode and in the next episode. I would encourage you to seek what God would have you do, what he would have you know where he wants you to go. Every area of life is very complex and we are all in different places. And I've said it before, I'm gonna say it again, it is not about perfection. This is not about legalistic religion, structure, anything like that. It's just about setting godly goals. And when we set those godly goals, God is about the process. He's about that journey as much as he is about that end result. It's also a renewing process. You know, as you move closer to God's will in every area of your life, God will give you more wisdom. More things will be revealed to you. You will see more of him and he will guide you in new ways. Now I'm gonna give you some verses and some thought starters, but these are your goals. And I feel like this is such an important time because we are moving into a new quarter. We've talked about setting goals in the last few episodes and over on the YouTube channel. And so this is just a great opportunity for us all to just dive in a little bit deeper and to really seek him in these areas of our life. Now, when we're setting goals, we need to first consider where we're starting from in order to determine where we're gonna go. We're all in different places in each of these different areas of our lives and we have different end goals of where we wanna be going. And because this is a progression, when we're setting these goals, it's about that next step, right? The next step in obedience. And that's going to look different for all of us. It doesn't change the truth of what God's word says about each one of the areas of life, but your actions to walk in faith, that will be your own. Now, normally on these podcast episodes, we try to give you some things that you can apply, some actual like I hate to say the word answers, but, you know, really some things that you can build on. But this is really about pointing you in the right direction over the course of these next two episodes. It's about asking the questions or getting yourself to ask yourself the right questions to move you in the direction that God is calling you to go. Now, I feel like a good place to go after faith is marriage. How often have you set goals for your marriage? I mean, honestly, now you might have set a vision for what you want it to be. And maybe if you're going through a time of crisis, you've set a goal or an intention or, or something that you want to be moving towards. And truthfully, we all have our own hopes and dreams. We pray that God would fulfill those for us. But I have to say that this area has been the most under attack by our culture. The view of God's will for your marriage has gotten so foggy and unclear by media and our society, and you just see it unraveling more and more each and every single day. My husband and I were actually just talking about this last night. 
that it's almost like it's expected for people to go through a divorce. It's almost expected for people to have bad marriages. Like you learn through those and it helps you build character. And I don't know, it's just a whole different message. You know, recently someone asked me one piece of marriage advice that I would give to a newlywed. Now, I've been married for over 20 years. (laughs) I think 21 years. I don't know. I have to do the math. I did get married very young and we've really kind of grown together. And even with all that experience, I still feel like I have so much to learn in this area. We all do. And marriage is one of those things that we just really have to work at. We have to work communicating with each other. And we disagree with a lot of things because we're very different people. And I was brought up in a divorced home. And so to me, growing up, like divorce was just something that happened. Like it was not this big thing. It was just part of life. And we have certainly had our ups and downs. That is for sure. But despite all of that, despite everything that we've been through in our marriage, we are now at a really, really good place. But I knew exactly what advice I'd want to give to someone. Marriage is not about happiness. It's about holiness. And I remember hearing this in a sermon. Gosh, we were married for maybe five years, six years at the time that I first heard this idea in a sermon at church. And it just really hit home for me. And it has backed up by the Bible. The Bible talks a lot about marriage and how we're supposed to act as wives and how our husbands are supposed to act towards us. But like everything, faith has to come before action. And so we have to ask ourselves, what's the root of our heart in our marriage? When we make it about what we're going to get out of the marriage, which sometimes we do, a lot of times we do, that's when things can start to go wrong. Let me say that again. When we start to think about what we are getting out of the marriage, that's where things start to go wrong. I've said it before and I've said it again. I don't have all the answers on this one, but I do know that I'm here to support my husband. That's what I was created for. He is supposed to be the spiritual leader of our home, but I am to be the light that points him to Jesus. So I have to ask myself, am I being that light? In any relationship, but especially in marriage, it's easy to look at the other person and point out all the flaws and all of the things, but we have to ask ourselves what we are doing to take personal accountability over our marriage, over our part of that marriage. And if marriage is about holiness and not about happiness, are you keeping the marriage holy? Are you being the light for your husband? Are you making it easy for him to grow in his faith? Many years ago, my husband and I went on a marriage weekend and I had a huge eye-opening moment. They taught us about the relationships and how they are circular. Maybe you've been to this same weekend at your church, Love and Respect. If you have not yet looked up Love and Respect, there's books, there's a great YouTube channel, amazing information, highly, highly encourage it. Now, in this cycle that they talk about, one thing leads to the next and the cycle repeats itself. The Bible tells us to respect our husbands and for our husbands to love us. And if one person does the opposite of that, it spurs the other person to do the same. And that encourages the first person to do more of the same. So if we disrespect our husbands, they will respond in an unloving way. That makes us disrespect them even more. And you can guess how they respond. Now, the trick is, is that you have to figure out how to interrupt the pattern. What can you do to respect your husband? Now, I encourage you to take a challenge right here to make a list of all the things that you can do to respect your husband. Now, this was hard for me to do because we were not in the best spot when we did this, but I really had to lean on God and the spirit to move me in this direction. And as soon as we got the cycle moving in the right way, it was like everything started to turn around for us because all of a sudden I was in alignment with how God wanted me to treat my husband and he was in alignment for the same. 
we each had to take our own personal responsibility for how we were contributing to the cycle and the way that it was continuing based on our own actions. And so every time I start to feel like maybe things are getting a little bit rocky, I have to go back to ask myself that personal accountability question and then go back to thinking, what can I do next? What's the next action I need to take to get the cycle moving in the right direction? Now, when my life was completely out of balance and I was kind of learning all of the tools of bringing things back into balance, marriage was the first goal for me. It was the first area that I really needed to focus in on because by growing my marriage and leaning on faith in order to do so, it gave me the support that I could then go and tackle the other areas of my life. And one of those big areas of our life that I needed to focus in on was our finances. Now, I am not good with finances. I'm not. And in talking with so many different people in our community and different guests that we've had on the show, I've realized that people are either savers or they're spenders. And I don't know a lot of people that fall in the middle of that. Like you're either one side or the other. And the middle is where I really long to be. I dream about having a great credit score, money and savings, investments, and just being able to give abundantly. But what does the Bible say about money? Again, we have to start looking at things through that biblical perspective and not just through the physical, fleshly perspective of the world that we're living in, right? And you know what? The Bible says a lot, a lot about money. Just search, what does the Bible say about money into Google? And you will see. (laughs) There is not a shortage of instruction on this from tithing to giving to saving to investing. It's all there. But remember what I said before. It's about where you start that directs where you go because it's so easy to get into this all or nothing thinking, right? And then we can start to daydream about how things quote unquote should be. Our perfectionism can start to take over and really we can start to get really legalistic with this stuff. And we really need to be thinking about the next baby step. Now, if you are already a member of Life Balance membership inside the resources section under many of the different areas of life, but specifically talking about finances, there is a worksheet there already that you can kind of fill out to figure out what your next baby step is, what is that you could be focusing in on for your finances. So you can take that worksheet. I highly encourage that you pray about it. I mean, that's the coolest thing about goal setting with God is that you don't have to do it alone. You can ask God what he would have you do, what area he wants you to work on. And you can start with putting your heart after him. Because when you start to do that, then you can start opening up your heart and really examining it because he will examine your heart right there along with you. And in that process, you'll find out, do you love money? Do you hate money? And either way, it can be a stumbling block for you. It's not something that we can avoid. I mean, we all need money, right? (laughs) If we want to live in this world, and it's not a bad thing. But it's what we tie to money within ourselves that is the issue. And this is where, again, I just say that you should be praying about this and ask God to show you where you might be having issues, where you might be having your heart line up with money. Now, here's an example. My goal is not to depend on money. That doesn't mean I don't need to work for it. That doesn't mean I don't want to give it or spend it wisely. It's that I found myself praying for more of it, telling myself that when more came in, I would fill in the blank, right? I would go on more vacations. I would give more. I would work less. I would, you know, whatever. But what I found (laughs) is that I was more focused on getting more money than getting more of God. And that's when I had to change my focus. God has demonstrated so many times in my life and in the Bible that he will provide for our every need. Now, in the past, there have been years where money was not an issue. It really wasn't a focus at all. I mean, I had this easy come, easy go mindset around it. 
I mean, I made good money and my husband was the one who paid the bills and made sure we had enough money in the account to live and do the things that we wanted to do in our life. And I understand like it's very different for everybody, right? Like some people, you might be doing the finances, other families, it might be your husband. And when we do life balance method, the week that we focus in on finances, there are lessons in there for both of those situations. Because the way that you are working with the money definitely changes the way that you are thinking about money. Now, when I left my corporate job a few years ago and we decided that we were going to start our own businesses, that switched for us. And I was the one who was taking care of the bills and the finances. And I've got to tell you, it was a little bit stressful <laughs> looking at that bank account and wondering like when, how money was going to come in and why are we so low? And, you know, you have all of these thoughts when you're going through that whole budgeting process and looking at that. And God was providing for us, but sometimes I would catch myself like, why is he not providing more? And yet I would also say or sing in different worship songs or agree with different sermons, read in the Bible that God does provide for everything. And yet in my heart, I felt like he was holding out, like he was not abundantly giving. Like everyone says, God gives abundantly. I'm like, well, I'm not seeing it in my bank account. I mean, if money is nothing to him, so why not give it to us? But the truth is, is that, yeah, money is nothing to God, but my heart is everything. And where your heart is towards money, like he's more concerned about that than anything else. And so I've shifted my goal away from thinking about finances and money as a thing of this world to being faithful and grateful with it is given to us and seek God more than money. After all, where does my hope come from, right? But sometimes, too, with money, we can get confused between what we want and what we need. And God always knows what we need. I mean, he obviously knows what we want to, but he will provide for our needs. Now, my first money lesson came from my grandpa, and there's a difference between want and need. That is what he had burned in my brain when I was little. And as I get older, I have learned that this is always changing depending on where God has us in our lives. Now, maybe the Spirit would have you be giving more, maybe be more wise with your spending, maybe to put more in the storehouse. This is where you should be praying about it and seek your answers through Him. Now, outside of setting goals for my career, the next biggest goal area for me is my health. Now, <laughs> if you are anything like me, you have set some health goals in your life. In fact, this is probably the very first goal that I've ever set in my life, being like a preteen. And when I was growing up, it became like such an issue for me that I was always so focused when I would think about my health and how it related to how I look and what others thought of me. And it didn't help that my mom, she was absolutely beautiful growing up and everyone always commented on how pretty she was. And she did a lot to look that way. In fact, she had eating disorders. She had surgery. I mean, all kinds of stuff. And looking back now, I think it's so funny how so much of my life, my health goals were so closely related to image. And yet so many of the things that we do for our image and the way that we look and our appearance are really not very healthy at all. And yet again, we are reminded it is not what we see in the world, but what God sees in us. So what does the Bible say about my health and how I am to treat my body? After all, I can't take it with me, but God so carefully created it. He designed it with purpose and trashing it does, does not make sense, right? Like you kind of have those two extremes of people who just don't really seem to care about their body and you see them in church and, you know, they might be a little bit more on the round side, the softer side. 
But then you look at the other extreme and you think, well, that looks more like vanity has taken over. And so you have to really try to think, what is that middle ground? Now, I have noticed more and more over the years that there is a trend to turn the conversation to health away from vanity. And I don't maybe it's my age. Maybe it's the people who I have on the podcast. But I definitely notice more and more people talking about food as medicine and avoiding chemicals and sugar and It's not about just how you look or your weight, but it's really about your overall health and how you're functioning. And then you look at the Bible and in the Bible, it talks about what to eat and what not to eat and people judging others on what they eat and what they don't eat and how they eat it. In the book of Mark, we see an example of how these kind of things can become very legalistic. What matters, what really matters, again, is the heart. It's the obedience. I don't think it's a secret that we need to live in a healthy way, but taking care of our body and eating the right things and working out, it's hard. It can be so hard. And we might not want to even start. A cookie and a movie night might even sound better than going for a run on most days. But this is where the clincher is. We are to take control over our fleshly desires. The Bible references this very often, and a lot of these references are toward sexual immorality, but flesh screams out in ways that hurt my health. There is strength to be gained when we exhibit that control. For me, it's an emotional response. When I'm anxious, I turn to food, not to my Lord. When I'm sad, I turn to food for comfort instead of my comforter. Plain and simple, food has become an idol and it has replaced God. Now, some could be said for people who over-exercise, seeking fitness instead of God. What we really need is obedience and obedience to seek him first. Because if you think about this, food and moderate exercise can bring health and good health, equip us to do the work of God, then why don't we do it? You know, we've had Lindsay Young on this podcast so many times talking about energy and how when we're taking care of our body in a balanced way, it gives us the fuel to be able to do everything that God has called us to. Let me ask you a question. Have you ever tried to work when you're sick? It's miserable. What about take care of your kids or your husband? I mean, we need our health. Over this last year, we have learned more and more how precious our health is, that our health is our vitality of the vessel we are in. It's like taking care of your car so you can get to work. The better we take care of our car, the more reliable it is. So what is your health goal? Is it to put better fuel into you? Is it to be disciplined? Is it to move more? Now, when I came to the realization that I needed to be disciplined with my food, I needed to make it not an idol. And so I had to come up with strategies in order to let it not be a focus and to let it be as easy and as simple as possible. Because after all, God is more concerned about my heart than really what is on my plate. And so I need to be just as concerned about my heart than what is on my plate. Now, since this is a two-part series, this gives you a little bit of time. So today we talked about faith. We talked about marriage. We talked about finances. And we talked about health. Those are four of the eight areas of life. And I would highly encourage you to really think about those four areas of life and really think about where your next baby step is in those four different areas of life over the course of the next 90 days. This will help you set up that next baby step goal to move you closer to God's will in these areas of your life. Now, if you have not yet been to our website or maybe you're just finding Your Life Rocks, we do have a Bible study called Setting Goals in God's Will where we take these principles and turn it into a Bible study where you actually are diving into the Word of God for the all eight different areas of life to see what those verses are and to really spend time seeking Him in these different areas of life. If that is something that you are interested in getting your hands on, you can find it at yourliferocks.com. 
And next week, we will be back with part two, where we are covering off on the other four areas. So until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Hey, just because the episode's over doesn't mean we have to stop hanging out. Head on over to Instagram and follow me there. You can find me at your.life.rocks. Or if you're more of a Facebook kind of girl, join our community of working Christian moms just like you. You can search Your Life Rocks over on Facebook and connect with us there. And if you're ready to truly create lasting balance and get results in your life, maybe it's time for you to join Life Balance Membership. Download the Your Life Rocks app in iTunes or in Google Play. You can upgrade to the membership right inside the app. And if you're looking for more resources to help you create more balance, head on over to yourliferocks.com.